Can you all hear me in the back? Is that okay? Glad to see all the folks that are here and some new faces. Makes me happy. Thank you, Michael and Sarah, for leading us into that time of worship with the presence of Jesus. That was special. That was fun. It's amazing. You know, Jesus is alive. We we know this uh, because the Word tells us this. we know it more accurately because we experience him within us. Right? I mean, we, we can see on pages of the Bible that, that he is risen, he's alive. But when you experience him within you, then you really know. And in worship like that today, we experience him living and breathing within us and refreshing us and strengthening us. So thank you, Michael and Sarah. Well done. That was, that was a treat. Um, we had a great time Friday night for all those who were here, uh, all those who came to our house. Uh, we really enjoyed being with you all. It was fun. It, it rained. It was a soggy, kind of like a, a swampy, uh, muggy day. Um, but it was clean outside, and that was the good thing. The food was good. The, the fellowship was fantastic. And so we always invite you guys to come over. So look for that next month um, on the, the email that we have. Uh, the next thing we have going on, I think, is July the 12th. Uh, for the, the guys' Whiskey and Theology Night, uh, maybe this is the 11th. Um, but you'll see it on the email list if you want to come. And just as a reminder for everyone, you don't have to bring a drink. The, the point of it is to help enrich your own theology. We, we want to create a place, especially for guys, where we can go deep into the things of the Lord and not settle for a watered-down version of uh, the rich, good drink uh, of God, and so that's why we have that night, and we invite you guys, uh, guys, to come to that. Um, and uh, and so be on the lookout always for the the, the ladies with littles. Also, those are going to be uh, Thursday mornings, and those have been a delightful time. Uh, kids are learning how to worship, and moms are getting together and training up and learning how to train up their kids in a worshipful, praise-filled environment. And so we welcome you to come to that and enjoy the time there. Also, if you have been coming here. Thank you. Uh, thank you also for giving. Uh, it's, it's just a wonder and a wonder. Sometimes you step out in faith and, uh, and there's not like a big, there's not any safety net. We just step out because Jesus said so. And uh, y'all's generosity has been an, an encouragement. Just to see that God's faithfulness come in and provide for what we've needed here in the space uh, and to continue on with ministry. So thank you guys. With that in mind, I do want to pray and ask the Lord's blessing as you guys finish up your tasty treat of donuts and Jesus, we love you so very much. Uh, You know, the the scripture uses uh, uh, the term honey, like you're you're like honey upon our lips. Uh, Today, you're like donuts in our mouth. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, God, so much for for the the sweetness of your presence and of your community here, uh, for how you've, you've given to us, Jesus. Uh, Lord, I know for all of us at times we do feel the, the pressures of life and we feel the pressures of provision. And today, uh, as, as we do give, we remind ourselves and remind you that you are faithful to always keep us in perfect shalom, peace, harmony with you, uh, knowing, Lord, that we don't need to be anxious about tomorrow, uh, about what to wear, what to uh, feed ourselves with, Lord, that you know these things even before they're on our hearts and you are rich to provide for us. And so as we give to you, 
I ask for a refreshing of that grace. And Lord, and it's, it's tempting for all of us to try to grab a hold of and to be anxious. And so where we've done that, as we give to you, we relinquish, we relinquish that. We relinquish that control. We relinquish that compulsion. And we relinquish that anxiety, that care. And we remember again that we were made for heaven. We were made for heaven here on earth and Eden where there is no lack. And so let us be now people full because of what you've given to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So these, these last weeks, we've been talking a lot about uh, building up our faith. And it's within the context of also remembering that we are born of the Spirit. We, we are born again of God. The, the minds that he has given us, our intellect, is made from the very word of God. And so when we get our intellect and our mind in agreement by faith, our thoughts become his and full of peace and are able to see his glory all around us. We, we're not saved by legalism. We're not saved by an adherence to the law. We're not saved by behavior. We're saved by believing in Jesus. I mean, being born again by his spirit. The, the context of our meetings have been helping to uh, root that deep within us, to remove performance, to, to remove the, the ways that we have maybe tried to grab a hold of self-righteousness or you know, self-image and these kind of things. And so it's within that context that uh, I want to, again, speak to you guys again today and deepen even more that message. We talked last week specifically about you know, what the word of God is, the promises of God, how they, they come and always have come forth from the very mouth of God since before uh, the very foundation of the world, but then when he spoke creation, he spoke with a word that continues to speak. As Sarah was leading us, she said that there's a song that is in heaven and is constantly being sung. And when we worship like we did today, we enter into that song like a harmony, but behind the harmony is love. If you're, if you're ever inspired to write or sometimes when you listen to music, you get that sense of, of inspiration. You get moved by the music, your soul, your emotions, your mind. It, it, it feels this novel expression of glory. And it's like that behind the words, behind the song, but there is this deep heart of God, of love, of creativity, pushing out into the world. And it's been pushing ever since. The universe continues to expand because it's obeying the word of the Lord. The stars hang in place, so to speak. You know, they spin, however you want to describe it. They're, they're there because the word of the Lord said to be there. And they continue to give glory in so doing. And so when we acknowledge God as our creator, for instance, we enter into that word of creation, and therefore we ourselves get swept up into this ever-expansion of glory and of salvation, and our hearts become filled with what our purpose has always been made for. So when we believe and give thanks to God, thank you for creating all this stuff, we get filled with his joy, his peace, and an understanding of what we are made for and purpose. And it's often because we don't acknowledge or don't or aren't aware of what he's doing, that we, we miss out on things like purpose and meaning and moments, and we feel like there's a bit of a dissonance or disconnect. And so when we give thanks to God, when we refresh our belief in him, it is an act also of reorienting ourselves upon Jesus, the foundation of the world. All things are held together by the power of his word, which continues to speak. And that word was spoken through Jesus, through love. And so when we simply believe and, and remember that afresh. We are therefore also filled with love anew. And that continues on with our lives. 
And we need to be refreshed and, and reoriented and, and learn how to hear that constantly. And so today I wanted to speak on the, the most important parable you will ever hear. Uh, I'm kind of, you know, um, I can be intense at times. Like there's a, I, I come across very like gentle and calm. Uh, internally, I have a, a deep intensity and passion for Jesus, if you've got to know me for long enough. Um, and so I, I, I would like to overstate it, but I can't overstate that, that this is a really important message. Uh, it's Jesus' message to you. And if you, if you understand this, if you listen well to this parable that Jesus is going to teach, then all things then will be opened up to you. If you can learn from this parable, then you can learn how to steward all that God has been speaking since even before the foundation of the world. And so I'd invite you to, to listen well. You have ears to hear. You know, blessed are you, for you do have ears to hear in this midst. You, you have eyes to see. You have a heart that can perceive and understand God. That's why you're here. And so blessed are you. There is no faithlessness. There's no doubt in you. It is, it, is, it is leaving in this room right now because the presence of Jesus is here. He's the light of the world, and you are his. And uh, so I'm going to read through the parable of the sower, and I'm going to do it from three different perspectives because it's actually written about three different times. And uh, for those of you who have been reading the scriptures for long enough, you understand that, uh, that there are reasons why certain passages are recorded multiple times. There's also reasons why those same passages will have differences in their recordings. And so this is the parable of the sower. It's a famous one. You guys have probably heard of it before. You haven't many, many, many times. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all mention this, and they all mention it slightly differently when the disciples hang out with Jesus after the fact. And whenever we see differences in Scripture, for some of us, that brings up questions about the authenticity of Scripture, or can I trust in these words? And for those that have been trained in, in criminology and the things of uh, judiciary, uh, fact-finding and law, you'll understand that when, uh, when there are multiple accounts that differ, it actually lends credence and trust in the word itself. Because all of us remember specific things differently because we are different people who have specific things that we want to emphasize, our personalities emphasize, our history emphasizes. And so an artist, when they look at the, the sun, for instance, they, they declare its beauty. They, they want to they wanna somehow capture that in a moment. Uh, as an engineer will try to figure out how the light gets to where it is within the same chromal perspective that, that you're seeing it as and, and the level that you have. And, and, and a weather person would want to know why it happens that at a certain time and in a certain you know, humidity, it, it looks to a certain color. We all will emphasize a sunset differently. We'll all emphasize hearing the words of Jesus in a moment differently and record it that way. And that's the spirit within all of us, too, bringing us to light. There's a lot of wisdom in what said, by the way. Why sometimes as Christians we see things differently is because actually the spirit is speaking through us differently. And in a culture that wants uniformity, when we have differences, sometimes that can confuse us. We, we've been trained that the culture wants to train us in uniformity uh, all around. That's the devil's work. But the Lord, when he speaks to us, it's always to create a, a wide spectrum of color and beauty. And so this is uh, Matthew 13. And I'm going to read the, the parable of the sower uh, from him and his account. And then I'm going to talk about the disciples' account of that. So in verse 1, 
And, and I, I also can't overstate this. These are the words of Jesus. Yeah. The, the Son of God. He came and he spoke to us. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. Like, he, he has given us his word. God's only son, and God, he speaks to us. I mean, it's just what an honor, what a privilege, what a love. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people stood on the shore, and the shore that he's talking about kind of goes up a little bit like an amphitheater, if you've ever been there. And so when, when he speaks, the, the, you know, he can get out quite a ways, and the, the water will you know, cause the sound waves to bounce, and you can speak to a large crowd in that space. And so that's why he was, he was doing that. It's not like a flat ground like you might see at the beach here, and you're like, well, how can anybody hear? It was an amphitheater effect. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, and this is the first, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred and thirty times, uh, and sixty times, uh, what was, oh, sorry, a uh, hundred and sixty and thirty times what was sown. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, the knowledge of the secrets of kingdom, of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. So just first point, uh, this is, this is a big deal in that culture and time. Um, I'll get down a little bit, actually. So uh, whoever has has more, whoever has will be given more, and he who has will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. And then it quotes, Though seeing they do not see, and though hearing they do not hear or understand. In this is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing and never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Then Jesus says, Now blessed are your eyes, because they see in your ears, because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, but they did not understand it, and they did not see it, and they did not hear what you hear, and they're able to hear like you are. I'm going to pause on this for a second. So, He's quoting Isaiah in Isaiah 6. In that passage, Isaiah had been taken up into heaven in a divine theophany. Um, it's, a, it's a strange experience where a person will be literally taken up into the very presence of God. And in that place, Isaiah sees God, and he sees the holiness of God, and he sees these angels worshiping, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah's first reaction in that place of seeing is, I'm a man of unclean lips. Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. And the Lord in his grace comes with a coal of fire and touches those lips and heals him. And in that place also, God says, who will go and tell the things of God? Who will go for me? And 
Uh, Isaiah says in, in Hebrew, Hineni, or send me, I'll go. And then he sent, and then God says this parable back. And so Isaiah was going to go back to the people knowing that they would not hear. And that was, that was spoken in about 680, 700 uh, BC. And that prophecy hung over the people of Israel for almost 700 years. They will be a people who have eyes to see, but do not see, ears to hear, but do not hear, and a heart to understand, or a heart that does not understand. And that hung over the people of Israel for all that time. In the presence of God, all of us sometimes, when we are aware of him, some of the first things that we'll do, especially if we're new to the faith, is we'll become aware of our lack. We'll become aware of our sin. We'll become aware of the things that we're afraid of. In the presence of the Lord, one of the first things you'll become aware of is, is yourself. It's, it's self-consciousness. It's an effect of eating of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. It's self-consciousness, self-awareness, self, 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 self. And that's where Isaiah was when he came into the presence of God. It's all about me, 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 me. Until the Lord told him, and then his heart was lit on fire. His tongue was on fire, then his heart was on fire, and he wanted to go. And he wanted to speak the words of life. But he was actually going to identify with the heart of God. Because God's been speaking words since the very beginning, and no one's been hearing and perceiving and so Isaiah was actually having a chance to become an intercessor because we need people here on earth that can understand the heart of a father who longs to have his children know him by heart but don't hear him. And so Isaiah, for the rest of that book, you know, behind his heart and his mind is a desire like the father's for his people to see and to believe. And he began to prophesy out of that, began to prophesy that there would come a time when Jesus would come and people would be able to see and to hear. And so the, the heart behind that passage isn't primarily condemnation. It, it is at first, if you recognize, like, you know, people, they don't have eyes to see, they don't have ears to hear. But the point of it is to, to put all of us into a place of intercession. Now, God, what's that like for you, for your children not to know you? To, to see them walking around as orphans, lost and, and afraid, and without shelter, you know, without anything, and, and then not to know who you are, not to know your voice. That, that became Isaiah's heart, and he, and he began to preach and prophesy from that place. That's, that's the heart of Jesus, who now is, is the great intercessor. He's in this passage, living it out in real time, and he gives them these parables as, as the, the great high priest, the great love of the Father behind him, wanting and longing and for, for however many millions of years, potentially, he'd been waiting to say these words. But blessed are you, for your eyes see, and your ears hear, and your heart perceives. <laughs> and in this room today, your eyes see. You who are here, your heart understands, and you can perceive the things of God. You are an answer to our Father's prayer. You are an answer to Isaiah's prayer. You are an answer to Jesus' prayer. As you've come into the awareness of God, you, you are causing our Father's heart to be happy and settled. One of the motivations there, therefore, in hearing well and to listening is to please our Father. Is <laughs> to let him know that his children know him and want to know him. One of the motivations we have when we wake up in the morning and begin to pray, when we begin to study the Word of God and listen for the Spirit speaking to us, is, is for that understanding, for our Father's heart to be a little bit more whole in us, if I could say it like that, for, for it to feel a little bit more complete and consummated with us. It's, it's the longing of a father all along that's been behind the journey in all of this. And he's listening to you now and he's speaking to you now. There is the word uh, that is in this of judgment. You know, because there are those that will hear and not 
here. See, but not see. Um, and, and I hope that in many ways this helps give you two things. Like one is compassion, um, and, and two, humility. <laughs> you, know, you can't say that you understood God on your own. You know, it, it, is, it is only by the Lord that you have been able to see. Because Jesus says so. It's the words of Jesus saying, you have ears to hear. And because of him speaking creation, you have ears to hear, you can hear. <laughs> when Jesus said this, they were able to hear. They weren't able to hear until Jesus said this. For you, because you can hear, Jesus spoke to you. Jesus said to the disciples, I chose you, you did not choose me. Because you're here, he chose you. <laughs> you are personally picked out by God. <laughs> There's humility for us as well, because sometimes we witness. We, we, we see uh, things in the world that deeply grieve us. It's been an evil generation for 2,000 generations. <laughs> it's been out there. And we see and we get frustrated. Friends, they don't have ears to hear. It's not for you to judge that. You know, we don't judge outsiders. You know? it's, it'd be like bragging to uh, a blind man that you can see color, and they can't. You know, like, who, who are you to brag about something that you were given as a gift at birth, and they, they can't? So you, your ability to understand God, your understanding of, of how law works and how politics should work, right? Those things are, are given to you by, by grace. And, and it's not our place to, to judge those who can't, simply can't hear. You know, we, we speak in the, the courts of man, uh, you know, law and reason, and we try to reason and we, we try to show love, and, and it just doesn't seem to, to work. And we say, well, gosh, you're just condemned. There's no place for us to do that. You know, they, they, they literally can't hear those that don't know the Lord. But they can through our intercession. You know, God raised up Isaiah to begin to pray so that Jesus would come in and fulfill the prayers of Isaiah 700 years before. And that's why the prophecies were there. And it's to set the stage because the word of God that was spoken at the very beginning continues to speak. And when we have prophets that speak the word of God and, 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 and pray, God answers those. and He raises up people to fulfill that word that has been spoken in the past. And, and through that, the word of God continues on. You and I, every time we, we pray, we're, we're putting prayers into the heart of the Father. And when we're praying according to his will, they will be done because it's part of creation itself. It can't not be done. It's, it's a law. It's like saying gravity come and gravity must come. <clears throat> when we pray into his will like that. And so Isaiah had prayed into the will of God, into the heart of God. You know, send me, I'll go. And then through the rest of the whole book of Isaiah, you know, everywhere, you know, from the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me and Isaiah 61 and, and so forth. All those were, were prayers from Isaiah that come from the heart of the God of the Father. And God answered that because it's like gravity. It's just his will. He, he does that. He has to do that. And that's, the, that's behind the idea of a promise of God. It's simply going to be there and going to happen. And so it's, it's a wise thing, it's a loving thing to, to listen and to hear what that is and to, to interrupt into that place and then proclaim those words all the time in your mind and in your heart. So Jesus speaks this parable, and some hear and some don't. And he goes to his disciples, or his disciples go to him and say, you know, 
why is it that you speak in parables? And they said, well, to fulfill what Isaiah said. You have ears to hear. Yeah, that's, how we, that's how we can close it. So, that, so that he's, he's turning the disciples from 700 years of nobody can hear, when are we going to hear, to you can hear. <laughs> it's amazing. And ever since then, you hear. Yeah, ever since then, you who are here, you are his. John 3, I think it's 18 or 20, um, it says that those who walk in the light, um, those who come into the light will show that their deeds have been done through God, meaning that their deeds had not been done through the devil. That our deeds all along, if, we, if they are good and we come into the light, they're shown to be always from God. It, it, God is the originator of our good works. We, we're stepping into his grace all along and always have been. And so that's the point of walking light. Is yeah, God's my dad. You know, and, and so we, we want to hear what he's saying because as, as we walk into that light, we show that he's, all, he's, he's been our dad all along and that we are his all along. And we find our purpose and our birthright. We find our, our lane. We find our, you know, we, it's like a, we, we find that, that we are this kind of a tree. We are a tree of God as opposed to a, a tree that is not from God. <laughs> or as, you know, I think as Jesus would say of Satan. And so I think you guys are hearing this. And so he says in uh, verse 18, uh, so now listen then to the parable of what the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown among the path. The one who received the seed that fell in the rocky places is the man or woman who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. Again, these are the words of Jesus. But since he has no root, he only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who bears or hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed and that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. Uh, I want to pick out real quickly that the first soil, the one on the path, the enemy comes and, and, and eats that. No other soil does the enemy come and, and take the seed. So whatever, whatever issues you're having in life, it's not the enemy that's going to take your stuff. You're the one that actually has the ability to take the rocks out, which we'll get into, and the weeds out, which we'll get into. But I, I want to right from the very beginning, to say that if you've already received the word, then the enemy cannot take it. You need to hear that again. There's many words that the Lord will speak to you. This is, this is the primary, this is the, the foundational parable of all parables, meaning that it's not simply about your justification before God, like receiving Jesus as your Savior. That's the beginning point, but there's many words that the Lord will speak over the course of your life. And as he speaks words, this, the same way that you received it here, you'll receive those words as well. You know, so the, the first word, you receive it with a tender heart. You receive it into soil that you begin to cultivate. He'll speak other words to you over the course of your life, other promises. If you receive that, it's not the enemy who takes it. If you, know, if you have the ability to receive it with joy, you know, and it's not, you know, take great comfort in that, that it cannot be taken from you. You actually are the one that controls your own soul. 
Self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, he's, he, no one can pluck you out of his hand. So th- this is great news for us. Sometimes we do a lot of shadow boxing because we don't believe this. A lot of times we fight against an enemy who's not really fighting against us. We, we have to learn how to cultivate our own soul because then it feels like the enemy has lied to us and he's just trying to get us to, to not actually have the ability to cultivate ourselves. And all along, he has given you and I the power and the ability to cultivate our own heart and our own soul. And so Jesus is saying that the, the, the soil is like, is like you and I. It's like our heart. It's the, the, our, our thoughts, our affections, what we believe, our will. It's our entire being. And so once that seed is received, you and I, it, we own it. And there's things that can prevent the, the full health of that seed from growing forth. So he, he starts, and he talks about the, the one that's in the rocky places. The one who hears this, receives it with joy, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. And so when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. So that the main part of this portion of the parable is the root. If you have no root, then when troubles come, you'll fall away. That's the logic. And so therefore, develop a great root system. And when troubles come, you won't fall away. How do we develop a great root system? <laughs> That's a good, good, good thing. So Isaiah, he was called up into the heavens, and then he, he proclaimed the word of God in a very difficult circumstance situation. He was, he was tested in many ways, and he was found to have a good root system. And the first thing that Isaiah did uh, is that he called out his need. You know, I'm a man of unclean lips. He humbled himself before his God, the very presence of glory. And so one of the ways that you can begin to develop a good root system is just confess <laughs> quickly. <laughs> the first thing in the presence of God, I mean, he was self-conscious, but not, not so self-conscious that he didn't say, you know, God, I'm a man of unclean lips. You know, I mean, imagine this. You, the, the, Jesus walks in the room, and there's probably a million things that you want to say to him as soon as he would walk in in your imagination. But as soon as he comes in the room, as he really is, you'll see everything as you really are, you know? And all those things, <laughs> ah, you know, I want to rush and give him a hug. That'd be the first thing, just like, I love you, fall on his, you know, my knees and just, just bless his feet, just kiss those feet. I, I might not be able to get past just falling on my face right here. It's like, oh God, you know, so much I, I have missed you. I've not seen you. There's just, oh man, like I'm a man of unclean lips. Who knows how I'm going to react? But the point is, he said first, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. And then, and then he didn't even ask for anything. Just the mercy of God comes and sets his, his lips afire. These disciples were walking with Jesus. And, and I'm sure after walking with Jesus for long enough, I mean, this dude's healing the dead. This guy's, you know, everything that comes out of him is kind and gentle. He, he's unflappable in the midst of just, you know, what's going to become increasingly difficult persecution, he just, you know, he, he's full of love. He, he has compassion for him. And, and in that presence, after a while, all of us are kind of feeling like, well, I'm not like that. <laughs> you know? and, and so, I mean, at, at some point, did they grab him and say, Jesus, like, I'm not like you. Like, I'm, I'm a man of uncleanness. I, I don't have what it takes. I mean, like, wh- at some point, when, when we're around people that are really walking with the Lord, we begin to feel a little bit oh, like, bad. <laughs> So the first thing, I, hey, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm missing it. And in and, and his mercy, he just looks at him and says, blessed are you, your ears here. 
honestly. We all need to hear that every single day. Your ears hear. Your eyes see. Your heart can perceive and understand. And all the trials and all the storms that we go through sometimes, it's just like the heaviness of the oppression of the enemy and you know, the deceitfulness of this world, all that stuff wants to press in. So believe and hear, and those roots will begin to grow down. And, and the Lord's a good shepherd. All right? uh, some people said that he won't give you more than, than you can handle. That's not true. He, he completely gives you more than you can handle. <clears throat> According to 2 Corinthians 1. I mean, it's, it's a truism. Now, what will happen is that he won't let you go into any circumstance where, you can be, where you'll be tempted into sin. So he gives you grace to pull out of sin every single time. Always. There's always a way out. There's always a way out of sin. Always. Always, always, always. There's grace for you every moment that you're tempted to pull out of it. Always. He never leads you into temptation. Uh, in the midst of difficulties and troubles, however, our roots can grow down as we, as we listen to him, as we seek him, as we believe these things. And so we can be quick to confess and then quick to believe what he says and, and to genuinely believe. And, and I can tell you that it, that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, some of you know some of my story where I've had insomnia since I was, you know, five years old, six years old. And, uh, and over the years, of, uh, the Word of God says, you know, he gives sweet sleep to his beloved. You know, and I'll, I'll be awake sometimes all night long and, and, and feel just the, the, the awfulness of it. And, and Lord, you give sweet sleep to your beloved. <laughs> I'm not sleeping, but I'm your beloved. You know, and, 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 and anchoring deep into that, uh, and until there was a word that was spoken, actually recently, um, you know, about insomnia being healed, and I, I received it, and since then my, my insomnia largely, except for you know, snafus here and there, has been healed. It's like my, my heart needed to go through some stuff before it, it was ready to receive that word. And, uh, and then once it's received, I still fight, because there's some times where I can feel, you know, whatever is going to disturb. And I, I say, Lord, but you said, yeah, but Lord, you said that you're going to heal. Lord, you said that you have uh, healed me of this. And so I, I know what it's like to, um, to anchor my root deep into the word. Because persecutions come on account of that word. And, and there's different words that the Lord will speak, and there's a different persecution per that different word. And in and, and some circumstances, if I would say, hey, listen, the Lord heals because he said so, and he says so here, in certain cultures, even within the church, there would be persecution that will come back. No, he doesn't do that today. You know, don't, don't say this kind of thing. So whatever it might be, and I'm like, all right, well. So th there, there can be a sense of persecution on account of different words that the Lord gives to us. And, and we, we let the word go down by, by confessing. Sometimes I don't believe when the trials of life happen, I, I anchor myself in there, but I also reach out you know, to, to brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, I need, I need help when you guys pray for me. Um, and so let your root, and there's so many other ways, I'm not gonna get into it today, but let those roots deep, dig down deep into your heart so that when it comes, because it's, it's, a, it's, it's in the word of God, persecutions will come on account of the word that's within you. You will have roots that are gonna be able to withstand those things. And those, those rocks are gonna be taken out as we go along. Uh, and the next one, of course, is the, the weeds of life. Uh, so the one who has received the, the, the seed that fell among the thorns is the one who hears the word but worries about this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and that chokes out and becomes unfruitful. Um, I want to gently suggest, and, and, and you test this if you want to, but I believe that a lot of this is more biological and physiological than it is even spiritual. 
Um, meaning that we get saved and the word of God within us is born again into uh, an ecosystem that has been formed from generations a lot of times uh, by sin, by, by unbelief, by various different things. Our own habits get in the way of this. And, uh, and the culture's worries are, are, are you know, uh, affected by this. And we will make associations, mental associations, develop neural pathways that are associating this concern with this belief and over here. And, or, or this trauma with, with this thing over here. And so eventually sometimes those physiologically you know, and, and emotionally, they will choke out the word just because they, they are something that we are, you know, that, that wraps that, that seed around us in a body that's perishing. And so our, our job is to renew our minds, to begin to develop new neural pathways, to contend in a sense against our own bodies that are trying to work against us and recognize that anxieties, uh, griefs, those traumas, they're, they're, not, um, they're, they're not spiritual realities that sometimes they're kind of all here. They're something that you actually have control over to help heal yourself in by the grace of God. They're saying things that you can intend in your mind to renew as you grow uh, and, and, uh, and so work out your salvation that way. And so the Lord who's in you, he's working out his will and his work within your life. And your job is to work out that salvation. And so, for instance, what that might look like is that uh, maybe today I'm anxious about uh, you know paying for our bills. That's an easy one. And uh, in, in the past, there have been experiences where maybe my family had lack, or, or I saw a friend uh, you know lose their job and they had to lose their house, and and they were they, they went through it real bad and they were terrified of that, or, or who knows where those things come from. But suddenly, when it comes time for you to step into faith by God, one of the things that'll come up is a fear of not being provided for. Well, you know, is, is that the enemy or is that just like a, a neural construct uh, and a belief system that you developed because of the world around you? I would contend it's, it's mainly just the latter. You know, again, the, the enemy can't take that seed that's in you, but we're born into a, a very complex ecosystem within our own bodies that will prevent these words from really being able to, to have full room to breathe. And so our job is to simply partner with what the Lord has said. Don't be anxious about what to eat or what to wear. Don't be anxious about you know, provision. The Lord himself knows what you need before you ask and he'll provide it for you. And so we begin to renew our mind according to what that truth is and begin to recognize that, that anxiety, even though it feels like it's right in your face and it's within you, nonetheless does not have power over you. And you begin to turn away from that. And to know that you're, you are righteous because you've already received the word. And so just because you have these feelings of anxiety doesn't mean that you're not righteous. It means instead that you have power over that. That makes sense. Not in your heads? Okay, good. Um, that's an important one to know. Oftentimes, it's not, um, it's, not your, it's not your fault, if I could say it like that, that you're struggling with certain things. Uh, you're already innocent in Christ. It's just simply the battle that you have, maybe because of past decisions, certainly. But a lot of times also, it's just because of like generational stuff that's around. It's, it's in the families that we inherit, and it's also like in the culture that's around us. And so instead of just saying, like, gosh, I'm so sorry that I'm anxious about this, or I'm so sorry I'm not believing you for this, but like, whatever. It's there. <clears throat> And, and the Lord is with you in it. And so and said, all right, God, that's, that's not true. This anxiety is not reality. I'm not going to let it choke out this beautiful word that you've given to me. I'm going to cherish the word more than I'm going to cherish the weeds. And so we turn our affection from the weeds, and we turn our affection onto the word. And that's one way to get rid of those things. And we ask the Lord just to begin to prune these things out of us. So I want to be mindful of, uh, of that. Um, again, I'm going to get to Mark, I think. And then, 
I won't be able to get into Luke, but I, uh, I want to get into Mark 4. Mark 4 is where Mark uh, describes the same seed, the same scene. And let's see. And I'm not going to read the whole parable. Um, I'm going to go down to verse 13. Jesus says in Mark 4, verse 13, this is after the parable and after giving some explanation. He says, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? And so Jesus is saying, this is the key parable. This is, if you understand this seed, this principle, this, this parable, then you will understand all parables and all teachings of Jesus. And so it's paramount to, to learn how to listen. How you hear is, is incredibly important. Um, how will you understand any parable? So the, the farmer sows the word, and he goes into that now. Um, and, and then he says in, in verse 21, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl, or instead don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and, what, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So he's, he's repeating this again. And the point that he's trying to bring up in this um, is that the highlight the word that you've been given. Uh, bring it up into your heart. Bring it up from the depths and, and, and make sure that, that your, your focus is on that light. A lot of times, like the Lord will speak to you, and and you know you'll you'll kind of we'll, we'll all kind of bury it. Maybe think we we'll just you know like hunker in the secret place, and that sounds great. I, I would encourage you, yes, keep it in the secret place, but at the same time, let it guide you. Let that word be the one that guides you. So speak it out loud to yourself. If the Lord has told me, for instance, hey, like you are healed of insomnia, I need to make that shine before me. I need that word to be bright. I need to tell someone else, hey, the Lord has told this to me. Will you agree with me in prayer? And, and, and let's join together and let this word now work out in such a way that it becomes the light that I live by. And that lamp is not made to be hidden. And so weeds, you know, these things and the, and the dark things, eventually they, they will die if not brought out to the sun. And so we don't give them attention. We don't constantly say, oh, I'm anxious about provision. I'm not ever going to have enough. We don't, we don't say those things out loud. We don't, we don't speak those things, if I could say, like over us. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm constantly tired. I'm constantly having a hard time. I understand sometimes we just need to be honest. But if, if we're saying that that's our reality, if we're putting that on our lampstand, then that's what's going to guide us. And that's what we're going to focus on. We have been given as human beings, uh, it's, a, it's a divine sovereign gift, that what we focus on becomes our reality. And so it, it, is, it is the reason why Paul said, fear God who is working within you with trembling so you can work out the salvation from within out here if you think of it if 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 some large terrible creature just shows up in this room right now you're going to give it all your attention you're going to be wondering what is that thing going to do is it going to is it going to kill me is it is it is it got good intentions toward me and so when we fear god it's like the the largest being there is shows up and and you and you look at it at first and you're 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 in awe and wonder but you're also afraid because of how powerful this God is. And you know that he could, in a second, just erase all of creation. You see that, and then you recognize that he's a father. He's like, and I love you. And so when we fear God, we get love. When we fear everything else, it's like these, these anxieties and cares just multiply in us. And so that's why we fear God, is because as soon as we turn to him, he gives us what is true. 
And so it's like that when working out these seeds within us that he's been given to us. We put on a lampstand, we fear God and put it out there, and we begin to speak these things and then guide us into our life. Luke will go on to say that uh, you know, his mother and father, sorry, his mother and brothers show up after he said this parable, and they say, hey, I want to see Jesus. And, and right after saying what he just said in, in Mark, Jesus turns and he says to the disciples, who are my mother and brothers? And so fulfill and, and do the will of God. That's, that's my family. Yeah. But this is his mom. <laughs> this is Mary. You know, the beloved, you know. And, and, and he, Jesus is making a real strong declaration line in the sand. Only, only those who do the will of my father are my mothers and brothers and sisters. Yeah. And, and so there was no loyalty that he put on the flesh and the blood. That's good news for you. It's good news for all of us. But it's, it's a stark thing. And so the family of God always comes through the seed that God has given to us if we steward it well. And I think that's important and instructive because often it is the family matters that choke out the word. Those are, I would think, where the most weeds come from. The cares of the world, are they going to be cared for? Like we, we can believe for ourselves, but we can't believe for our kids or our friends or family members. Because that's actually their job to believe for that. We, we can and help them out in faith. But the point is, is that sometimes we will let their difficulties choke out our seeds. And so that's why Jesus is saying, you take care of your seed. You know, let me take care of them in their own way if I, need, if I need to. Does that make sense for you guys? Okay. So I'll land it right there for now um, because I want to get to um, the table and, and allow us to have some time of ministry. Uh, so, again, the, the important thing is that we're, we're cultivating a time of listening to the Word and learning how to cultivate it so that we can live great lives of faith. And if you listen to these things, you will have great faith to do, to do miraculous things, way beyond what you could ever hope or imagine. So this is kind of behind it. So if you would, I'm going to pray, and if uh, Michael and Sarah want to come up and read as well, we'll get the, the table ready for you guys. <clears throat> Jesus, you are... You are the first. You showed us what it's like to take the seed of God, the, the word of God, and become the word of God because you let every part of it saturate, nurture, bring joy to every part of your life. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, all of us need faith. We need to grow in faith. Uh, Father, I know sometimes, and maybe you know, uh, folks here listening to this might, might think, gosh, I, I wish I would have stewarded your words better at times. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The seed is still in you. Those weeds can be choked out. Those rocks can be removed. Anything that he's ever spoken to you, remember, has not been taken from the enemy. It's still there. It is still there, friends. So, Father, I ask that you would dust off spoken words, if I could say it like that, that you would remind people of things that you have said. In, in these next 15 minutes, Lord, as, as we take in your communion and, and gather, I ask that you would speak words to your people, remind them of things that you've said in the past. They're still there, friends. They have not been snatched up by the enemy. And Father, I ask that whatever stones and rocks and weeds and cares were there, the deceitfulness of riches, 
that you would now also let us have confidence that as we lift up these seeds and put them in the light, those things will fade away and they do not have power over your word. The word of the Lord will not return void in the people here in this room, but will bear the fruit that you intended when you spoke those words. And so Lord, I ask for these things. I treasure that, Lord. I treasure your people. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.